dispensing cannabis business knowledge beyond a million square feet of cultivation space. CannabisRadio.com proudly presents Blunt Business, harvested by Strainwise Consulting. Together, we will navigate the challenges and opportunities of one of the most profitable industries on earth. Join us each episode to hear our weekly roundtables and interviews with industry professionals. Now, let's delve into some blunt business with your host. Thanks for joining us here for another edition of Blunt Business here on CannabisRadio.com. So thankful to have all of you to join us. So now, before we get started with my next guest, I want to just go to make sure to mention to all of you that <clears throat> at this point of the pandemic that we've been dealing with, and for those that are listening, we're coming out of that now. For some places, the economy is starting to reopen, and we're going to start seeing some of the ramifications of that decision coming very shortly state to state. One thing that we can tell you is that it is still going to take some time for the conventions, the conferences that we've been used to going to, to congregate and get together and exhibit and to see speakers and to network. That's going to take some time for coming back. But our sponsors of the USCC Expo, we're already looking into getting into the virtual space, and we've already had something planned out since late last year. We are now introducing USCC Borderless. It'll be our first virtual conference. It'll be taking place July, June 29th, excuse me, June 29th and 30th. Just go to usccexpo.com. No need for travel, no need for logistics or buying tickets. You can just register right now at the website if you want to exhibit or if you want to attend and be a part of it. We're going to have a full lineup of speakers, full lineup of exhibitors, more information, everything that you need. Just go to usccexpo.com to learn more. usccexpo.com. We hope you'll join us for that. Now, before I get to the guest, I want to talk about, we're, we're going to talk, first of all, the company that my next guest is with. He's opening up a membership-based, entrepreneur-focused, collaborative cannabis facility in Orange County, California this summer. And the company is promising to provide a, quote, a home, a network, compliance, and access to cannabis verticals. So first of all, let me just introduce our, our guest, James Shee. He's co-founder of My Green Network. James, thanks for joining us here on Blunt Business. Hey, Jorge. Thank you so much for having me here. Uh, my pleasure. I want to talk about this because there was one thing I wanted to pull up right before we got on the air. And the mainstream side, and this is just a, what what the mainstream sector is saying right now about co-working spaces in the tech space. But I want to bring this up and I'm going to pose this to you and just take a quick uh, a quick passage here from an, from an article, excuse me, from Lexology.com saying the coronavirus challenge for tech co-working spaces based in the UK. And this is one of the things we're talking about when it comes about the future of tech co-working spaces following the COVID-19 pandemic. They're saying this, despite the disruption, currently facing co-working spaces and their tenants, the current pandemic may benefit providers in the long term. They weighed out some of the issues that might be in a negative sense, but they're trying to give the silver lining here. Owing to the current social distancing measures in play, individuals and businesses will become even more accustomed to working from home. It is possible we may emerge from this current pandemic with a desire to work more flexibly. Co-working may well enter the mainstream as a preferred way of working. Therefore, flexible and short-term leases offered by co-working providers may become even more attractive to tech startups once normality was resumed. The short-term losses impacting co-working spaces at present may lead to long-term gain. Additionally, Co-working spaces could become an even more attractive offering once normality is resumed. There may be real opportunities for providers to capitalize on the additional tech and innovative services that we work. 
which is one of the original ideas everybody talks about, was arguably unable to meaningfully implement whilst trying to build a reputation for itself as a disruptive tech company. It's going to be interesting to see how providers will take advantage of these opportunities whilst maintaining a flexible business model, considering that real estate overheads will remain at a significant fixed cost. Given the ever-increasing number of challenges currently facing these type of spaces, it seems unclear whether the once promising startup will be a beneficiary of these new opportunities or whether it will still exist in its current form once the pandemic has subsided. Now, that was re- reported yesterday as I recorded this show, uh, April 21st recording today for future use. So, James, I want to point out to you, you are going forward with the co-working space, with my green network. But obviously, that I don't think that that article really says too much as to what should deter or really make anyone not feel that they cannot proceed in the direction of what you're going to be putting out coming up in June. But I want to ask, you know, during this time we've had to sit through and deal with this uh, disruption of magnitude uh, of real proportion. What has changed about your mind about the concept of the co-working space since you are in the process of getting it opened? So that's a fantastic article. I didn't read it yet. <laughs> I just saw um, it. I would have told you about it before, but I just saw that. I was like, do a little more research. I was thinking that is something to be said, but I'd love to get your take on it. Absolutely. So I actually fully agree that the long-term gains for co-working will be significantly beneficial. And to kind of put it into context is going to be, if we look at the main uh, facility operator, someone like myself, We'll pay maybe you know thirty to fifty grand a month just for the rent for that space, but the people that work with us, they're going to be able to rent maybe four days or three days. So the risk is actually mitigated because instead of just saying, "Hey, this company needs three days," why don't we get three companies that need one day? And yeah. the nice part is for at least cannabis, it's an essential good. So all those operators are still going on. And actually, the operators who are failing right now in the industry are ones that have their own space and they can't afford it, like you said, their own rent. Right. So, yeah, fully agree. I mean, I'm looking forward to once all this is over, I think that we will have a humongous influx of people looking for a shared option because it's just going to mitigate the risk on multiple levels. I'm going to pass that article along to you. I want to definitely do that. But now I want to do a little context here for myself uh, within what we've been doing since 2013 or actually 2012. uh, My company outside of the cannabis space, we've also been involved in the tech space. So we under, I definitely understand and comprehend and, and and I, I love and I support the idea of co-working and startup companies working in uh, incubators. I love the idea of having that put together. And I've seen it where it's been common along together. And we provide ourselves as a resource for companies like that in the space. And it works very well. We've seen so many companies that have come off the, come from the ground up and it just succeeded so well. So in a story from Forbes.com, uh, Warren Borbro does a lot of great work when he does uh, his articles. It's a title, a story, co-location spaces refined efficiency and culture in the cannabis industry. He recently wrote this. The quote, the regulated cannabis industry experiences no shortage of great ideas. The common issue that most consumer brands face is bringing their products to market in an efficient and consistent way. Co-working spaces may provide enjoyable perks like unlimited cold brew and team building activities, but co-location spaces will offer tangible operational resources for businesses that are in need of allies in a challenging industry. One thing I want to add to that point is the fact that 
because you said the rent issue and the flexibility that I think <clears throat> a lot of companies are going to still take the remote working aspect, but then have that networking aspect where maybe they're not going to, you know, take access to that office space or that co-working space every single day. But there's going to be a number of days a week where they might take it more for the conference room aspect or to have some place to house their own content or if they just need to go ahead and just jump in. And I have a couple of days where there's real team building and there's real interpersonal person communications that needs to be done. That would be important. So what made your team look into creating the co-working space for the cannabis industry? Now, we even talked about this going back last year. I've talked to people about it. The benefits that companies are going to get from doing this and now more than more than ever, what are those benefits that you're trying to show people that are interested? So. Uh, absolutely. One thing I did want to distinguish ourselves actually are from both co-working and co-location. Okay. So we are very uniquely situated in the entire industry and we are actually the first of our kind. Okay. When we looked into this space, we wanted something that could reach um, the driven, passionate entrepreneur. Something that was affordable. It gave them a community to work out of and interact with and to see the new face potential partners that they, I guess, interact with every day. So one important point with co-location, and I think that this is one of the biggest um, issues plaguing the industry is, uh, I read the Nature article actually quite a while ago, and they, I think, raised uh, close to $100 million to build their facility. The problem is with a company like that is they're building out with the highest level of equipment um, they have a giant uh, ability to scale and produce, but you have to pay a corresponding price in order to join someone like that. And that makes it really unfeasible for, I would say, most people if they have to spend a million dollars just to get into that space. In a co-working hmm. space, uh, they're just doing work with the ability, I guess, to um, smoke. We're somewhere in between. We consider ourselves shared manufacturers. We offer the ability for people to do co-working, meaning they can come in and come and do their office work in our space. But our primary focus for people is breaking the cannabis industry barriers and making it so that anybody can actually come into industry. Um, we provide an actual license. So people that come in will actually get their own shared manufacturing license. Number two is they actually come in, they can access one of our seven kitchens or hybrid stations and actually operate out of there and sell in the legal California market. Hmm. And then our incubator model is kind of that third step where we are actually taking companies from, uh, I think you mentioned it the best, you've seen them go from nothing to a company that's scaling and getting that money and investment that they need. We've built our entire company designed to support someone to reach that level. So looking at us, uh, we aren't so much a tech play or even the play for Natura, for example, where we want to have these companies produce massive amounts. We just want the people that should come in and be able to actually produce. Fantastic. One of the things I would also want to keep in mind is in the same vein of a co-working space, you'd also want to have, you know, that startup environment for people to go and have, say, basically investors to come in or people that are able to go ahead and do seed funding or offer seed rounds of funding. Uh, number one, uh, what's the response for those that might be interested in talking and communicating with those that would be in the co-working space? And how would you go ahead and incorporate them into the space to have them interact? And 
would anything change now because of how things have changed with the disruption of the pandemic? I think I'll start from the last question and go to the first. (laughs) Yeah, please unpack. Um, So the first part where you said has things have things changed, I think more than ever before, uh, shared manufacturing or shared spaces that we offer uh, or similar people that co-working, as you said, are going to be more and more relevant uh, in today's industry, specifically because most people just can't handle uh, the rent, the risks that are associated with with um, operating the fact that if you make a sale on a wholesale from a manufacturing side to retail, that retail store isn't getting you payment for 30 to 60 days. So you have a lot of these issues um, with companies that are just going to bear the brunt of it. When we look at what we do, um, and I think that this is kind of where a lot of people look at uh, scalability and an incubator model and say, oh, great, I can grow there if I need to. But without a strong foundation, those industry experts that people connect to or that they're actually getting into that incubation model um, or an investor that takes a look at it, they actually view that more as a liability because, mm. sure, you can hire an expert for $100,000 a month or sorry, $100,000 a year, but can you actually afford that? And what happens if maybe that expert doesn't give you everything you need? So we kind of liken it to jumping on a motorcycle while having a motor- motorcycle teacher. But if you guys get in an accident, both you and the teacher are getting injured. I mean, I guess the thing is, there is the, I mean, it's a risk or reward to have investors coming into the space and on who you have that comes into the space that would like to lure a company out of that space and, you know, okay, dangling a carrot, what can we get from this and what could what be the advantage of it? I guess what it comes down to is, is really finding out because I mean, obviously, it's you're you're creating a hub. You're creating a centralized area for a number of companies with some that would be obviously very ambitious and have some impressive ideas that are out there. A lot of innovation being done with this space. That's why the tech space and co-working has done so well. The same thing goes here. How what do you do when you have investors and others that are going to be coming into the space? The other thing I want to ask about is when you look at the the tech side of the co-working spaces, what kind of companies are incorporated? So. You know, in the tech space, there's a lot where you can see different platforms, different, uh, say, AI, robotics, just different technologies are being put together to go then and then formulate into a larger scale company and scale up and get the funding and we'll get the need to go and grow the company to something big. So in the same article from Forbes, they mentioned this, that cannabis companies, quote, are looking to make an indelible mark and they need to access the people who are experiencing scaling businesses and ramping up supply chain operations while controlling costs. So a key obstacle is that consumer packaged goods, consumer packaged goods in the cannabis space, the brands have to overcome finding a trusted manufacturing supply chain partner. The legal status makes it difficult for global supply chain providers to partner with the industry, regardless of how lucrative the product will be down the line. And this problem often leaves brands scrambling for connections to reliable, smaller, cannabis-friendly manufacturers. The other barrier they mentioned in the article is that young cannabis brands commonly face is the feeling the need to specialize in every part of their business. Many consumer brands with exciting ideas have to juggle back off, juggle back off of solutions and manufacturing logistics while trying to network and build a viable brand. I want to know about the sectors. What kind of companies do you think will be attracted to my green network? And it, what are you looking at that's getting the most interest for what you're doing? 
Absolutely. So um, I guess I'll work backwards again from that one. Yeah. For the sectors that are kind of most interested in us right now, surprisingly, beverages have taken up a good amount. Yeah, and then number okay. two, um, we have some really interesting ones. Uh, there are some frozen food in uh, companies that have come with us. Interesting. Um, we also have, yeah. <laughs> frozen food? Uh, with So it's cannabis-infused food, and it's frozen. And you would take it home and bake it yourself. So wow, I didn't realize you. I, I never heard anything. That, I haven't heard uh, frozen yeah. packaging yet. That's amazing. <laughs> we, we, okay, we have some really interesting ones where they're super risky because it's just okay. Great, is this going to sell well? And that's the problem. Um, a lot of these companies are coming to market with an untested product, untested branding. They literally have nothing, and even with an expert. They don't have any tested because you just mentioned the, you've never seen it in any industry, right? Uh, no. For the cannabis industry. So uh, with us, we kind of look at ourselves as the training wheels to tricycle. Um, we get people on the bike. You give them the opportunity. They pedal forward. They can make those mistakes. And one of my favorite quotes is failure is the mother to success. Because with us, if they make a failure and or they fail at something, they're just going to lose like one month's rent, which is like, a thousand, two thousand bucks. Yeah. Maybe a little bit on the product side. And that's something they can handle. In a normal traditional cannabis industry, it's a million dollars that they lose. So our well, not only that, well, not only that, but we do know there are space there are there are companies that have come out that have gotten millions upon millions of dollars of funding executing it on their own without any other any other expert help and failing. And what a waste that goes in there. So when you see that going on, it's just saying to yourself, man, what are you going to do? That's, that's, that's a horrible uh, problem to have. But I do see that happen quite often. Absolutely. And that's really why we started this. Um, a key factor for us is that companies that come with us get their own license. So unlike co-location, yeah. where generally it's people have their own business and they're ramping or scaling, mm -hmm. we actually are getting the entrepreneur we're getting the out-of-state operator. We're getting the out-of-country operator to come in and actually start in a brand new industry where they have to redefine their brand, their marketing, their all their strategies and everything else. And they want to do it in a way that makes sense. We call so, it just saying, like, start smart. In a way, you are doing a little more hands-on in the process. So my question is, instead of having it being co-working, uh, have you considered to put it where – Part of the companies that work with you are more into a startup accelerator program? That's exactly the end goal. So our okay. facility starts with this co-working uh, shared manufacturing spaces, as we call them. Uh, we kind of give tribute to the California licensing regulations right. that actually call it shared manufacturing. Um, for us, we get them launched. And the nice thing that we like is... When we get them their seed accelerator, we give a cannabis education course. That's something that they can join in. We find and identify companies that are going to be making a certain hit, uh, point of income. For us, we're probably looking around the four or 500K revenue before we actually get them into this program. And then we open up everything for them. We want to have investors that come in with our contacts of about three to 5,000. Um, we want them to come in and seeing not just an idea, which is what most people are trying to invest in right now, but a working profitable idea by a team experienced has gone through the failures and knows how to navigate that industry on their own with all the network that my green network provides. Fantastic. So 
I, I, I love where you're going with that. It, yeah, it's, it's definitely the same kind of model, but obviously you've done the tweaks that you need to for this sector to make it to really stand out and be something that's very desirable for a lot of companies out there, especially after what's going on. This is going to be, I still think what originally we talked about at the top of the show is going to be viable. We're late for a commercial break. We got to get to one right now. But when we come back, I want to ask more about, uh, you know, bringing this concept uh, to light and talk about, you know, how companies are looking to create their next brand, to try to create a brand that's going to stand out, which is very important in the industry, something that's going to really go ahead and cross sectors and cross states. We'll talk about that coming up with James Shee, co-founder of My Green Network after this. Stay with us, folks. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet take-anywhere treat. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. I hope you didn't forget about us because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. I'm back with James Shee, co-founder of My Green Network. Now, I think I mentioned June, but actually it's July of 2020 that your facility is about to be opened up in Orange County, California, the first membership-based, entrepreneur-focused, collaborative cannabis facility. So you'll have this unique shared space platform designed to foster the community, empowering entrepreneurs to create products in the space and fuel innovation. So the original concept from the product Talk to me, what background did you have in this kind of uh, environment that you thought was uh, was something that, that was needed in this space, in the cannabis sector? So two things for me. The first being that I am a recovering lawyer. Uh, so oh. I, <laughs> okay. I was in the legal world for about 10 years. Oh, um, oh thank you. <laughs> um <laughs> and at that time, one of the things that for me was really, I guess, um, a struggle was literally as a lawyer, there's a joke that says, uh, you pay lawyers so that you can go to bed at night and they stay up worrying about your problems. Yeah. And <laughs> that's literally what I did for about 10, uh, 10 years and hmm. um, a problem solver. It was one of the things that when I came into this industry, I was seeing people 
trying to hire an attorney just get them licensed in cannabis and charging a hundred hundred fifty thousand dollars and that's just for the legal fees not let alone everything else and you look at this entire framework where people are seeing the green rush you have millions of dollars going in you have companies failing and a lot of it could have just been solved with co-working if you just had an opportunity for a company to throw out there and say great i can make a product and i'm only going to lose like a thousand two thousand dollars if you know, I fail once. If I fail twice, sure, I lose four grand. Hopefully you're not failing all year, but at the end of the day, you're gonna find out what's wrong. So that legal experience um, kind of gave me the background to at least deal with everything that needs to come up, uh, that comes up and continue moving forward. The second part is cannabis. When dealing with that, uh, we actually helped create uh, our own brand it's called Golden Barn as well. That is our own uh, manufactured brand for distillates. And that actually started in Colorado about six years ago. And we opened up in California as well. And in Culver City, we are opening our third facility for that. So the licensing aspect of everything, the legal legalities behind it, how everything worked, and sort of the fact that every time we had a facility, it costs about a million dollars. That was just an immense amount of pain that we saw a niche industry people that could really be helped and we wanted to create that community which just didn't exist yet so that is kind of i guess uh, my background moving into this all right let me ask you now uh you recently said in an article quote anyone can be the next budweiser nestle or coca-cola of cannabis this was a press release yet everyday promising entrepreneurs fail because they lack a trustworthy network industry experience or money or for licensure and fees and you mentioned how my green network with uh, with them at your side can benefit anyone can benefit from your in depth knowledge, connections, and compliance measures to create a standout product. I recently listened on a podcast about about the pandemic uh, to Mark Cuban. He had an interview. He talked about how COVID nineteen America one is never coming back. We're going to America. 2.0. He talked about the ideas where personalized medicine, robotics, and AI are some of the innovations that, as a society, the innovators and the entrepreneurs and disruptors really need to go ahead and take advantage of and dominate the world in. So that's the idea he's coming from from there. Talk to me about what you will see rising up in the cannabis space as part of America 2.0, as Mark Cuban says it. Uh, services brands, do you think that will be coming out in this new innovative age? Absolutely. So I think that Number one, the biggest area impacted by cannabis, or sorry, by COVID in the cannabis industry has been delivery. So retail companies that have established a strong tech platform for their customers to easily get their delivered cannabis, they have been just incredible at the current time. That trickles down into who are their suppliers and who is helping them out with that. And as manufacturers and distributors, it's important to be consistent. Uh, one of the things that we've noticed in the past is that in a lot of the licensees that you work with sometimes, the concept of being delayed by a day or two or three days is okay. We don't view that. We view it as being timely has to be very, very important, making sure your logistics are in order. So companies that have actually focused on building that foundation that know their business inside out versus overly uh, expanding without a lot of that foundational work those are the companies that are going to drive through this period. So services, number one, we are definitely going to see a lot of, I think, uh, financially based services, which will clear up a lot of the payments because 
cash uh, is still going to be quite difficult to transport from point A to point B right now. Um, we probably will see a more tech-based platform for that. Uh, we've talked with several crypto companies regarding that already. I think that I think I want to get to that point because I think there is payment solutions and payment options are going to definitely change altogether. Most importantly, I think that's when I, that's I guess then would you you start with try to rethinking what the whole safe banking act is going to be the way that kind of restructured because maybe there's a point where I think number one cannabis might have to do something where they're kind of outside of that dispensary the the currency based system actual hard currency might not be the option as so much as just more being able to do credit card processing. The other thing I think is that the dispensaries are going to have to go more towards the medicinal pharmacy route where we're going to have a teller-like atmosphere as opposed to having displays and countertops in that space. Do you agree or no? Uh, I think what's going to happen, um, I agree with you for sure on the payment solutions. I think that will mm -hmm. definitely be developed. As far as the countertop solutions, one of the things I actually think will happen more will be sort of tech platforms, sort of number one for almost cannabis pharmacists, that people can actually reach out to someone online, uh, a virtual pharmacist, if you will, and be able to get their medicine the way they want it to. Number two, I think what will be greatly impacted by the Safe Baking Act as well is the fact that Technically, during COVID-19, cannabis has become an essential good. And that actually paves the way for potential legalization because during a crisis time, we now have a business that is considered essential for the cannabis, for the economy. Oh, I, actually, I talked that, about it a few weeks ago, Yahoo Finance. There was an analyst that actually talked about, well, if you want to get tax revenue to get a jolt to each state, legalize now. Now's the time to pull the trigger because if every state's economy is kind of hurting right now, why not do that to influx a new sector into the economy and really just influx a new pipeline of cash? A hundred percent and fully agree with you on that part. Um, the argument's going to come. I don't see why it wouldn't. And now the other thing too is uh, – are there any brands that you see around, or are there any new platforms, things like that you see that also would make a change? Because I'm just trying to think of myself, what else? I really try to kind of wrap my wrap my mind around what other ideas or concepts could come into space. Now, the delivery space, I think when it comes to brands, the delivery space is going to get a huge run. And I think when I've talked to some delivery companies as of late, I think they're going to start getting uh, noticed. Th th that option is going to be made available more states. And some of the companies in California that are already set to go, you obviously know a few of those in around your spot, they're going to be ready to go ahead and expand. I already know that's a fact that some are already anticipating an expansion plan, and they're going to go to other states. I think that's another part that comes into play. And I think telemedicine, to get back to the other point, I think telemedicine becomes a major factor. But do you think that there will be a way to untangle the issues where medical cannabis, where you still have to go through a physical doctor, I mean, able to go and have, get access to the medical marijuana card for each state. Do you think there's still going to have to be a mix of interaction with your doctor and telemedicine? Can that actually be a perfect storm? I actually think that right now the other states that do not have the recreational laws in place, yeah, uh, they are going to somehow be able to switch into online consultations. And I think yeah. that you can see that just in the regular medical industry right now. I mean, we have a lot of askadoctor.com or whatever it was 
And you can just ask people for that sort of pharmaceutical or that prescription. Well, now every insurance company offers telemedicine. There's, there's a lot of telehealth out there. And I think that's going to become a booming business coming out. Absolutely. And I think it's necessary because yeah. a lot of times you have people that just go in, they don't know what to take and they really do need that help. And having that bud tender there who can at least give that general concept it does help at least a new user identify what they need. I want to come back. we got to go back to a commercial break again, but I'm here with James Sheen, the co-founder of My Green Network. We're going to talk more about My Green Network itself and turn, talk more about entrepreneurs getting to do all the fun stuff, quote, without any of the headache. And we'll talk about how you, if you're interested out there, might become a green leader, if you will, quote, unquote. We'll come back with James and final questions after this. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. The cannabis industry is evolving at a radical pace, progressing toward the green peak. Each week, join Richard Zwicky, a cannabis visionary and entrepreneur, as he interviews experts from around the globe to discuss updates and evolutions in the world of cannabis. The The Green Green Peak. Peak with Richard Zwicky. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. About a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow. The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put different celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is him pink, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh yeah? Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Fortunate to have Michael Brewer of Brewer and Shipley your signature top 10 song, One Toke Over the Line. I've read a couple different versions of, of what the tune's origins are. What's the true story? We were playing a little club in Kansas City. A friend stopped by with some really good hash. We stepped out back and came back in. We are tuning up in the dressing room, and Tom said, Man, I'm really One Toke Over the Line. I just cracked up. I thought it was hysterical. We literally wrote that song just entertaining ourselves and to make our friends laugh. It's time to Hem Present, only on Cannabis Radio. I hope you didn't forget about us, because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. James Shee, the co-founder of My Green Network. Uh, now, James, let's go ahead and get back and, and talk about now the website. It's uh, MyGreenNetwork.com. MyGreenNetwork.com with two ends, And again, like I mentioned, entrepreneurs, quote, get to do all the fun stuff without any of the headache. Quickly, we're going to mention that you have a fully compliant cannabis facility, serves as a workspace, extensive network of cultivators and manufacturing partners, essential elements of guidance and supervision for industry experts. You're empowering business owners to remain fully independent, maintaining their own cannabis license along with branding and marketing control. And then you're eliminating the, nearly all the risk and uncertainty associated with a traditional cannabis operation by offering a generous license and money-back guarantee. Very important. So I want to just put that in there and 
kind of you know summarize all that. Benzinga reports that the green leaders, as you're going to dub them, will own their own cannabis manufacturing license and create any edible, topical, or beverage product. And they can then package and sell all cannabis products throughout California. So the infrastructure uh, for those that want to be a part and be a part of the launch, what they should know and what they should do to go ahead and get involved. Absolutely. I think you sold it for me, so I think I actually don't have to say anything. No. <laughs> no well, you did tell, you so me, you did tell me if you wanted concise. to talk about this, you would say a lot. So I wanted to help you out with that and kind of keep it, you know, you know, compartmentalized for you. Thank you. But, but go ahead for it. What can you tell us about uh, how to get there? That's what's most important. Absolutely. So uh, right now we have an early bird phase that we're open. Uh, we allow people to lock in their spot. It's about 150 bucks. And this is just kind of our model. When we go forward, uh, our goal is to make it affordable. So people that come with us can basically expect to pay about $43,000 to get into the facility and pay their first months of rent as well as their security deposit. Wow. Of that 43, about 13 is a security deposit tended to the city and 3K for us. And essentially, now they've just got their license. When it comes to distribution, we have that. The entire network that you explained, we also have that. So really, what the companies can expect is they're starting at the very same baseline that every other cannabis company that spent millions of dollars doing at the exact same baseline as them. Now, they also have to tap into our network and they get to do all this for about 50K. So wow. they should expect to learn how to do their marketing and branding. They should find out what products they want to do. This isn't so much about us telling you what products you need. This is about you finding that passionate product you want. We think that passion drives innovation, which then drives your actual creation of that product and making a great product out there. Um, so when we say they get to do all the fun things, everything that they have that could be a hassle for them, we have a solution for them. It's up to them whether they want to take that solution and use it or do they want to learn it on their own. Yeah. I can imagine uh, really, like you said, all the headaches that are being taken, out of, taken uh, away from all that. Imagine that with that price point, obviously there's a lot that's being taken from the state of California to get the licensing. But most importantly is – that is a serious price point. So somebody that's going to come in here has a serious project or an idea that they want to go ahead and fulfill. Would that be safe to say? Oh, absolutely. We we aren't for the faint of heart. I think that any entrepreneur, <laughs> they're going to come in <laughs> and they want to make money, right? I mean, yeah. that's end of the day, their goal. Um, and I think that people do better when they believe in the product they sell. The problem yep. is in the cannabis industry, a lot of people are selling products they don't really believe in. And the reason why is because if you look at a tincture, the profit margins are way higher than if you were to do a frozen food, for example. Yeah. And that's just a fact. So you've got to produce 10 times the amount of frozen food for essentially every tincture in order to make the same profit. But with us, your overhead costs are reduced, so you don't need to. Now you have an option to actually get that done, and you don't have to have your investors breathing down your back saying, go produce some tinctures because that's going to make us more money. <laughs> there we go. Well, again, again, co-founder of My Green Network, James Shee. Thanks for being with us here on, on Blunt Business. I really do appreciate you making time. And by the way, if you do come across any companies that have just something that's just shocking, awe-inspiring, uh, point them out to us. 
let us know about that. I'd like to get you and uh, follow back up with you and some of the companies that uh, might be fruitful and might really come out of the space and have something that's really amazing. I'm almost, I'm kind of interested in the whole frozen food <laughs> aspect of cannabis. I got questions. <laughs> is it perishable? I mean, is it like what's the uh, the real shelf shelf life of having products like that? And honestly, the freshest is frozen dynamic. I mean, we always hear about that when it comes to organic food or when it comes to other food in the space, like. That's a fascinating concept. I'd love to know more about that. So let's definitely yeah. keep in touch, right. James. Let's go and think about what happens about that. Not necessarily about the frozen food, but just if there's any companies that come across, let's uh, let's see let's see what we're bringing them on and let's them talk more about it. I'd love to go and find out what companies come out of this hub, all this innovation that might be coming out of My Green Network. Again, mygreennetwork.com. Thanks, James, for making time. Thank you, Jorge, for your time. Hey, my pleasure. Folks, once again, make sure to go and check out mygreennetwork.com. And also, of course, check out Blown Business. We always do our show every week. You can find it at CannabisRadio.com. Find it wherever you find podcasts. All major podcast portals have it. And we'll talk to you next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.